Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talkin' BS. My name is Van Santos, and as always, I'm joined by my old pal, Corey Bell. This week was a bit chaotic. Corey's traveling, he's on the road, so we squeezed in an episode a day early before one of his meetings. We did not have a lot of time to prep, so we covered some current events, we uh, answered some questions that were sent in by friends of the show, and then we did a quick documentary review on a show on Netflix called Murder Among the Mormons. This is Talking BS. Well, here we are. We had a, a blast last weekend with, as soon as I start talking, the dog starts making noises. I didn't hear it. Oh, good. I may keep that in there. All right. So uh, one week after the Tyler King podcast, the King podcast, uh, I thought I wanted to start this episode off with a funny little story, a little a post, a little review of episode 22. Oh, no. Well, what everyone didn't know is that as soon as he went to leave that night... He goes out to his car, he clicks the unlock button, and nothing lights up. <laughs> so his car won't start. So he proceeds to stay at my house that night, which was uh, actually turned out to be a blast. We, we, I always edit the episodes, like usually the night after the podcast, so we just sat there and re-listened to it and edited everything. Had a good little night, it was funny, but it was the most Tyler King moment ever. And I know he's going to listen to this, so there it is. I will say I thought about this too after the pod, you know, like usually I do my little summation ending a quote ending or whatever. Right. I'm so bad at myself for missing an opportunity with him because I should have ended it with just a simple ELE. ELE. That would have been it would have been it would have been so perfect. And I and I missed that opportunity. It would have been. And then I also, when I was editing, I thought about just cut I love you to death, but I thought about cutting out your little ending thing. And I thought about just putting Tyler King saying one last thing to say is I'm not a doctor. Don't, that would be funny. Don't, don't. And then like just start the music. <laughs> that would be funny. Oh man, that would um, be funny. I just had to share that. Uh, thanks to again to Tyler for coming on. I thought that was a, a fun, fun, fun episode. Um, anything? Any other thoughts for you on that? I mean, good enough to stretch it to a two-parter. You know, I think uh, as we're as we kind of keep going with this, the more and more guests that we're able to bring on and kind of get involved, I think it's uh, it's definitely more fun. I think for everybody involved, you and I had a good time with it, and I think uh, everybody listening had a good time with it. So, more guests to come. I agree, and uh, I we got a new desk this past week. Actually, that would have been a perfect thing to have for that podcast. But we got like a basically a, a two seater desk here, so we're we're like ready to go for in person guests here or whenever you come visit or whatnot. So pretty excited about all that stuff. Um, I guess before we keep going, we, we got some questions. We really just got one set of questions from Zach Huff. So I'm going to rifle. I didn't, it's okay. I didn't review these. I've been playing all day. You know, you know what I loved? It, the questions were spot on to some stuff that I had been thinking about already this week. Like two of the, two of the topics here were things that I had, had already had discussions with on this week. So I'm, I'm loving this stuff. The first one is, do you think the Jake Paul fight was staged? Bro. Did you watch it? You could watch the highlights. I, I mean, I, I watched the highlights. I didn't to, get to watch it. Yeah. Well, it was five seconds. Exactly. Like the dude walks out under a minute, throws two punches. He's the thing that gets me. And it's not so much that I thought it was staged 
when that happened. I thought it was staged when I, you could see him walking off after the fight, kind of laughing about it with his girl all around him, and like, like, all right, this, this, this ain't, this ain't, this ain't. Mm. I mean, he made what, right. half a million, right? I think, I think yeah. his salary was half a million for that fight. I read that somewhere. It's probably not true, but I mean, you got to think about just publicity in general and stuff. And I didn't even realize how old he was. He's retired. I mean. I didn't watch any of this, so I can't really comment on the whole deal, but I, all the commentary I was seeing was like, it was just this shameless publicity stunt of like concerts and cross promotions and like this and that and everything. So um, I, I definitely, I mean, I wasn't going to take the time to watch it. I, I could have gone over to some people's house and watched it, but I really was, it's not for me. Dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some enemies with this with this comment and this this hot take right here. But anytime Snoop Dogg is calling a fight, I don't care about it. Gake, love Snoop to death, Snoop a loop, baby. To this, but to this moment right now, get out of I here. didn't know that he called the fight. I actually kind of would like to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? What was that? It's thing? like the it, second or third one that I've heard him do. He did, and na- they're entertaining. But that's all it is. Did, like I don't. Didn't they have him do National Geographic one time? Or something. Did you ever see this on like the alligator? I don't know if I saw that one. The alligator. No, that was Samuel L. Jackson. That was Samuel L. Jackson, and that was hysterical. Oh, uh, regardless, funny stuff. Uh, the second one. This is this has got some Alabama ties here. But if you keep up with the draft prospects, which I I, I really I don't too much. It's kind of like recruiting in football. Like I don't want to get too excited about that, especially the draft stuff. Like yeah, it'd be great to have certain people, but at the end of the day, I have no you know say over this. So just going to kind of roll with whatever they get. Now, once they're on the team, I'm all in. I'll invest. I'll go look up stuff, but I feel like it's kind of a lot of, I don't want to say waste of time. That's mean, but all right. Who do you think the Niners are going to take at three? So it's Mac. I think, I think they go I think QB. it's going to be Mac. So I, I was Let just watching ESPN and they're talking about, uh, is it Trey Lance yep. and Fields and Mac Jones? And so you got, I don't know anything about Trey Lance at all, but they're pretty high on them. Um, all the, the draft the draft guys and everything, but Mac Jones is so similar to, uh, they, they were talking about Matt Ryan and everything, but also Garoppolo. I mean, it's the kind of the system QB kind of deal, which by the way, solid. I want to listen. Back. I don't, I don't hate the game manager title. Like the game manager title used to get that bad rap. I don't hate it. Like get out. It, it wins, I don't it manage all natties. the ge- Boom. It wins. Natties. Pay me, pay me in rings. Um, Pay me in rings. But Fields, Fields is more intriguing in the modern NFL era. You know, you look at Mahomes, shifty, like he can move side to side, make stuff happen. I feel like he's got more mobility. So, I, I mean, do what do I think? I have no clue. I, I would assume it would be Fields or Jones, but again, I don't know much about this Trey Lance guy. So we just did a whole lot of talking about a question without answering the question at all. I did. I answered. I said oh, they take Mac. You did say it was Mac. But I said they take taking Mac. And and just as a follow up from uh, last week's episode and me talking about after the draft who I would uh, purchase season tickets for, I have already reached out and spoken to both the Panthers and Titans organizations for uh, four personal and four business, uh, you know, season tickets. So Hi-o. Hi-o. We're, we're we're moving in the right direction. I just got to figure out, you know, once once the draft's over, which way I want to go with it. Exactly. I will I will take outside influence. So real fast though. Also, for the listeners, we're going to do a shorter podcast tonight, but also you're not going to hear any chimes 
Nope. Because where are you at? No Gordon? chimes tonight. I'm out. In, I'm out in Phoenix. Actually, I drove past the uh, the Cardinal Stadium not too long ago. We've got a a large merger that's been ongoing and it's been taking away a lot of my time. Uh, that's sucked. And honestly, it has sucked. Uh, but it's almost done. Two weeks and we're done. But the, our headquarters got moved out to Phoenix, so I'll be making a lot of trips out this way. So this next, the last question from Zach Huff. By the way, did I say that Zach Huff sent these in? He's yeah, I think so. Avid listener of the pod. Love Zach. Uh, Got to get him on here for something. We're going to figure that out. But uh, his last question is a solid segue to a topic I want to talk about today. But uh, recently, and really like the last two or three years, Nashville's been listed as like a top five and, and now probably like a top one or two city for a new MLB team. And I had a nice little conversation last night with one Dan Morgan, who's one of our friends, about what would you do if we got an MLB team and you already have an allegiance to, you know, he's an Indians fan. I've really gotten back into the Braves over the last two years or so. What do you do if you're in a city and you get a new team? I mean, it's, you got to rep your city, right? I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, I think you eventually make that transition, but I think, I think you have a period, right? You have like three years to see if it's going to be a legit organization and then you can buy in. Like if, if you can get some buy-in, they get a good player or somebody that you can, you know, really fall in love with. I can see it, but it's hard to just go from, you know, hey, I'm a diehard Braves, I'm a diehard Indians. I, you know, or, or, is it the Indians or the, the Cleveland baseball team right now? I don't, I don't that's know. A, that's Those, a good question. I'm don't know, I don't know what their name is right now. But, you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, see. you know, if you're like a diehard Cubs fan, right. it's going to be hard to move. Yeah. It's just, that's rough. We'll see how that's that. Rough. But, I, you know. We'll see how it pans out. I, I had a really super. <laughs> shallow answer well you just support them until they become good like you know what i'm saying like you just kind of like casually support them and then when they're good you just oh and now i switched you know just well i think it's different right because like for you especially when like the national uh fc came in right like it was there was no soccer right there was no anybody really american like i'm sure you had your team i'm not saying you didn't but you really didn't. I mean, you know, you're, you're your Chelsea guy. I mean, like, that's that's yes. what you really cared about. That's what you really followed. So you were able to really jump into this thing feet first to the point where how did your weekend go? Right. So this this was a perfect segue. And you just you just we didn't we didn't set this up at all. And you just teed it up perfectly. So fantastic there. Uh, weekend was fantastic as well. And uh, went to the uh, season opener, home opener for the Nashville SC at uh, Nissan Stadium. It felt amazing. It was a wonderful day. It's like 60 degrees out, 65. It's a night game, 7:30 under the lights. Uh, the Titans got some new lights last year, like LED. You know, like the flashy ones they have at Brian Denny. Those like, yeah. new age ones. Yeah. Um, so they're flashing the lights around the stadium and everything. It's going dark. It was very, very cool. Atmosphere was great. We were at like 40 percent. Um, so they got the drums going. They got the yellow, yellow and blue smoke up. It, it the atmosphere was great. We didn't get the result. Well, we, we, we drew, so we got a tie. Uh, Ted Lasso would be disappointed in that. That's what, he, that's what I was about to say. What was the lie? You know, well, if we, if we do that in America, like, whether they riot or something. Right. Like, it was something. That was right, cool. right. Um, what, what my favorite part about it was Kimberly was a, a, a big, she was a great sport about the whole thing. New to soccer, but she's playing along. Nice girl. You know what I'm saying? She's, she's uh, jumping in with me. But she's, you know, asking questions, and I'm trying to bring her along so she understands what's going on. And the entire time, I'm just using Ted Lasso quotes to, like, explain to her what's going on. 
You know, I'm like, all right, this no, is... No, 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 but really, what is offsides? <laughs> but, but really, yes, explain exactly. it to me. I was like, no, no, but seriously, I don't understand it. Tell, tell me what offsides is. That doesn't make sense. Uh, I was explaining to her what offsides was, and I used that line. And then uh, our... our uh, our captain, Dax McCarty, she's like, what is, what is he or whatever? And I was like, just think Roy, Roy. Ke- Roy Kent. Just think Roy <laughs> yes. Kent. A little long in the tooth, but he's a legend. Been around forever. Scrappy guy. Maybe doesn't have the speed he used to, but he's just smart. Oh, that's um, beautiful. So it was it was really funny. We had a great night. It was just us. We, we didn't really... Um, we were going to try to hang out with some people, and it just didn't pan out or whatnot. But it was a great, great little night. When is, uh, and I know I should know this because we're part working on this project. When is the new stadium done? 2022. So next, okay. next year, next home opener will be in the new stadium. The renderings Sweet. look ridiculous. Yes. Um, so, I mean, you got to think brand new stadium in the year 2022 in Nashville. We're going to do it right. Um, so, yes, very excited about that. All right, I, I feel like I'm alienating you from the conversation. We are going to talk about, we're going to do a little documentary review here in a second, but this is the last little thing I wanted to touch on before we moved on to that. All right, this is going to be more of a, an explanation discussion, but this whole European Super League, okay? I'm fired up. I am like, I'm at a 10, as I would say, usually. Oof, oof. Um, I was. I, I saw this come through yesterday. There, a story broke that these clubs were gonna, these you know, soccer clubs were gonna take on this new league and form this new league. And at first glance, I was like, "Wow, that's pretty wild." You're gonna take the top clubs from all different countries and let them play against each other uh, continuously, or I guess uh, permanently. That sounds cool. But I didn't. I guess I was working, and I went to the. You know, we had some stuff we were doing last night. I didn't really pay attention to what this meant. So here's here's what's happening. We had our conversation, you and I, about Champions League on yep. here. So on you, here. You, we understand the difference between clubs and national teams, right? I know yep. I, this is the dumbed down American version. We're Tell it to it. me like I'm five. Tell it to me like I'm opening a lemonade stand and I'm five. All right. So the way the Champions League works, though, is that you have to qualify to get into the Champions League. Right, just like the World Cup, you got to qualify to get into the World Cup. That's it. So every year, there's a risk that even the best teams, if they don't perform or play well, they're not able to go to these competitions. And these competitions comes with come with massive amounts of money from promotions to the, the games themselves, uh, tickets, the whole the whole deal. If you get into the Champions League, you make a ton of money. Here here's the deal: the the way that European football is made, they call it a, a pyramid system. Because there's this thing called relegation, which, again, we don't have that in America either. But imagine if in the NFL, imagine there was a minor league of NFL teams, and every year the top three teams from the minor league got to go to the NFL. And the bottom three teams in the NFL got booted down to the minor league. Could you imagine that? Like, or let's say the CFL or the XFL. Let's say, let's say the Jags, the Jets, and whoever the, who is it, the Bengals. Falcons? Yeah, it was the big Yeah, yeah. So imagine all three of those teams this year couldn't compete in the NFL and they had to go to the XFL. Do you think they're going to continue to play at the end of the season to get, stay in the NFL? Yeah, they are. All right. That'd so, be awesome. What, I mean, it's chaos. But, It'd be awesome. But the stakes are high, right? Um, so that works two ways, right? So there's, there's always the chance that if you end up with a bad manager or some bad owners or whatever, that you could fail and then you get knocked out of the premier league. Now you're talking about 
costing yourselves a lot of money at that point. So I'm teeing all this up to say, uh, let me go to the flip side. You look at a team like Leicester City a couple years ago, who is traditionally a bottom tier team in the Premier League and sometimes relegated and then they work their way back up. They're in, they're out. There's a, a fringe team, you know, that kind of go up and down. They come out, they put together, they assemble a fantastic squad and they go out and they win the Premier League a couple years ago. They qualify for the Champions League. They get a bunch of money. They're able to spend a little bit more. They get better. They can stay up. They, and then they continue to stay kind of in the mix. There's a payoff if you work hard. If you're a, if you're a lower tier player and you get on one of those teams, there's, there's incentive to, to play, right? So every game is competitive, even if there's ties, <laughs> right? Yeah, All right, sure. so all this to tee up what's happening. This whole idea of a Super League has been introduced and formed. I mean, these clubs have come out and made official statements that they're, they're in on this. Um, fifth, it's a 20-team competition. So the way they teed it up was that it was just going to be next to the Champions League, like another tournament. And there are going to be 15 founding teams that are in it every year, no matter what. There's no yes. relegation. There's no nothing. It doesn't matter how good or bad they are. They're in it no matter what. And then five other teams are able to work their way in based off whatever. Um, the list of these teams, there are six from England, three from Italy, three from Spain, and three more that I don't have on this list. Anyways, you're looking at your Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Tottenham, AC Milan, Inter, Juventus, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, and Real Madrid. All right. So that, that sounds like a casual American sports fan is going to say. That sounds great. If I can watch Man United play Real Madrid and, Why Bar and Barcelona play Chelsea every other weekend, holy cow, that's going to be amazing. So that sounds great. But then you think about a couple things. One, it, it'll take away that entire competitive thing that I just talked about. The, the Premier League, the you know, Serie A, the Bundesliga, all of, all of those country-centric leagues won't mean anything anymore. There will be no incentive to win them because all of the teams are already in. So like a Man United could finish last in the table and they're still in the Super League. I mean, what? You're going to get... Basically, it's a greedy way of getting paid no matter what for your brand as opposed to your competitive like, nature. You know, does that make sense? It does, but here would be my counter-argument, right? So okay. uh, I got two, two questions. And, and this is ignorance more so than anything else. Um, one, so why would this Super League be on the same level, I guess? Is it just more brand awareness? People know these teams and, and would watch. I mean, couldn't, you know, it's simple supply and demand, right? If people just don't watch it, it'll go away. Right. And I think, well, there, there is one, the way I explain it, there's, there's what is happening and then there's been the result. There's been the reaction as well. So let me, let me get to the reaction first. So you've got all these other associations like UEFA and FIFA. So UEFA is the, the uh, football association that puts on the Champions League. They're obviously not happy about this because someone just said, it's, imagine if the SEC... Basically direct competition yes, to imagine, the Champions League. Imagine if the SEC actually did what they've been talking about forever and they broke away from NCAA and said, we're doing our own thing, we're going to make our own rules, and you guys are on your own. Imagine that. The NCAA would be a little upset. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So that, it's, this makes sense to okay, my I'm, head I'm, now. I'm trying to, trying to link this for our American non-soccer friends out there. So, so there's that. So UEFA's upset, obviously. FIFA's not super happy either. So the reaction. First of all, Champions League is still going right now. Chelsea's actually played phenomenally. I think there's 
I think we're in the semifinals. God, it's so bad of me. I think we're in the semifinals, but um, call yourself a fan. I know it's so bad. There's so much going on. There's so many sports. Betting has ruined me. Um, <laughs> I told you I'm a Braves fan. I mean, come on. There's baseball and hockey every single night. Every literally day. every yeah. single night. Uh, so UEFA came out and said, as early as this Friday, they could kick out the three teams that are slated to go to the the Super League out of the Champions League this year. Like Chelsea, their Champions League run could be over on Friday. So that's kind of a big deal. Uh, FIFA came out and said that any players that play on Super League teams may be banned from c- competing in FIFA matches, which includes the World Cup. Could you imagine Lionel Messi not being able to play in the... <laughs> Dude, the, the entire World Cup, like... You know, people would still watch. It would still be a big deal, but it would not be a big deal. Yeah. Like, you know, like nearly to the right. same gratitude. Right. Uh, the fans' response, even for teams like Chelsea, like Man United, the fans on those teams are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This isn't going to be fun anymore. You're, you're messing up a good thing. Like, we like – you don't want to play you, – you, if there's no risk – I sent out a tweet last night. It was just like, you know, nothing good comes easy. Why make it easy? It's just imagine if we just said, okay, every year the Patriots and Green Bay are in the playoffs and they get a bye the first week every single year. I mean, that that's the equivalent of what's happening here. It, it's 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 bad in my opinion. Now, yes, they've put together a six billion dollar package behind this thing, so it doesn't surprise me that these teams are intrigued by this. It's a lot more money. And I do think it's a lot more exposure. So there is a flip side. I do understand that to your point, promotions, you know, cross promotions, publicity, probably TV deals and TV rights in the States. Um, Apparently there's a big American backing to this because it is a very much more Americanized system. Um, So we're going to see what happens. The, the outrage yesterday was intense. It was intense. I, I mean, I get that. I definitely get it. Um, but to equate it back to the SEC versus NCAA, as a diehard SEC guy, I wouldn't hate it. I'd be like, yeah, we are better than you. So what? You know? Like, yes. I, I, I agree with you. All right, let me, let me clarify this whole, whole take before I say all this stuff. Yes. I, I am in agreement with you and the uproar from yesterday, just from the little bit that I do understand and know about it, that this is ridiculous. Having said all that, I'm going to play devil's advocate just to do it. Uh, so, you know, if I'm the SEC guy, I'm okay with that. that those, are, those, those are my people. I'm good with my people getting, getting the, you know, what they, in my mind, deserve. So here's the thing from an economic perspective, and you, you hit on this with the $6 billion that's already behind it. The amount of money. And that's really what I think it turns down to when, when you when you look at the business of sports and soccer and our football, right? Like this is a, a business, and the jobs of an owner or jobs of a, a board is to do whatever it takes to make those shareholders the most money possible, right? So, how then is this bad for for from a business perspective? So let me explain that. That is a point that I did not make very well. This, I think the timing of it is also a big deal. Deal. Gary Neville, who's a Manchester United legend, came out and talked a lot about this. The timing of it is also bad. COVID, right? Everybody's struggling. Businesses across the board are struggling. When I was talking about taking away the competition part of it, as far as those clubs are concerned, 
that's fine. They're, they're golden. More job security, expansion, all of that stuff. But that's only for those 15 clubs. If you look at uh, a, a Tier 2, the league below the Premier League, or those other minor league teams, if they don't have anything to work for, nobody's going to come spend money on them. You know what I'm saying? If there's not even the hope that they can rise and grow and expand and win, then then they're going to lose out on jobs. So honestly, I think the effect of what's going to happen is a lot of those tier two teams are just going to die out. They'll, they'll fold. They'll have bad managers, they'll have bad players, and it'll just be a bad product and it will just disappear. Whereas right now there's still the chance, there's still the hope that they can elevate. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I hear so, you. I so hear yes, you. it may mean more jobs for the, the rich get richer. That's, that is what this is. I, I think the consensus of, I mean, I, I've seen a few people back this, but just simply from a fan standpoint of, I want to watch these teams play all the time. That's really the, the primary like backing of this. Everybody else is more like, this is, this is the blue bloods getting richer. It, it kind of seems like a greedy money move as opposed to a, for the good of the sport move. Does that make sense? Yeah. So now all that being said, I got fired up over it because it just seems one of those things that competition is taking away competition. My boy, Eli, we look at each other all the time. We're like competitors in cornhole. Like you want to play a good game. I don't want to win 20 to two. That's no fun. Or 21 to two. I, I would rather win 21 to 20, you know, on a walk off, whatever. Um, now, that being said, there may be more stuff that comes out in the next couple of weeks, and I may change my mind. But right now, initially, seeing what it is proposing and, and the, uh, the backlash and the possible penalties and everything with, I mean, it's gonna, it could potentially change the fabric of soccer entirely from World Cup, Champions League, you know, other leagues around the world. It's just, it is a big, it would be a massive shift. And I don't know if I'm necessarily ready for that. Let me hit you with this then to uh, bring it back to, 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 to transition it from uh, from another Englishman. How about that? Churchill, right? Okay. To uh, to improve is to change, to perfect is to change often. So you know, I'm not saying one way or the other. You obviously have a lot more invested and know more about it than I do, uh, and we are on the same side. I, I listen from a business perspective. I can get it. I understand it. It is it is brand, uh, but it would. I, I think you're right. I think from a long-term effect, it would end up killing a bunch of clubs. Well, I think that's a big you, deal. Yeah, and again, my thoughts could change. And, and still, this is my team that's in there. So even if it goes through, I'm going to get to see my team play against the best clubs in the world. And, and here's the thing. At the end of the day, the best clubs in the world usually remain the best clubs in the world. You know, that's especially in soccer. I mean, Chelsea, Man United, all these teams are usually up there. Um, but without this new system, there's always the chance that they fall. And, not, you know, we're Alabama fans, but not everybody loves seeing Alabama and Clemson win every year. They, you know, there's a lot of people who don't like that, you know. So I guess I see it from both, both perspectives. But I would, be, would have been remiss had I not brought that up. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's honestly one of the biggest stories – in sports. Well, I mean, this can shape in the world that's, in sports. That's I mean, this what, can shape so much. That is the, that's the thing that a lot of people <clears throat> who aren't connected with it don't understand is this is one of the biggest stories in sports history of all time. Like, 
it's the world's game. It is the biggest sport in the world, even though we're in America and we think we're the biggest and the baddest. And I love the NFL in my soul. This is the world's game. And to turn all of those systems upside down and shake them up and just figure out what happens. It's, it is the biggest sports story in history in, in recent history. Straight you know, it's, you know, I don't know. You want a bigger uh, soccer? I have a bigger soccer uh, news-breaking worthy story for you over the past week than this. You ready? I don't think you're ready. I don't. I don't. I'm very. I don't know. Matthew McConaughey is a part owner of the Austin FC. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> and he talked about it like I saw an interview with him, and he's just like, "Yeah, man. Well, you know, my wife's Brazilian, and she just she bred me, and I go all the way all around the world uh, filming all these movies. And you know what? Everywhere I go, they're playing soccer. That's awesome. <laughs> was that was this the interview where he had the purple glasses on and he was looking all? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. dude, like the he mullet looking, that he's got yeah, rocking right now, looking greasy with that dazed and confused look. You know, mm-hmm. just all right. Been cooler. That's it, man. Been cooler if you did. You know what I'm saying, dude? Um, there's also there was a poll that just came out too about him that said 45 percent of Texas voters would vote for him to be governor, and he's seriously considering a bid to run for the governorship. Well, The Rock finally came out and said. El Presidente, I might be interested. So, all right, we're not going down that rabbit hole today. Today we're talking about murder. That's a transition for yeah. you. <laughs> I, wanted, I, wanted, I wanted to just throw that out there as fast as I could, like pivot, boom, murder. Um, pivot. Yeah, like I said, we're going to do a little bit of a shorter pod today, but we'll, we'll spend the next 10 to 15 minutes. You and I both watched uh, Murder Among the Mormons. It's on Netflix. I love watching these little documentaries that I have no idea about. (laughs) No, dude, I didn't. Like, uh, watching this, I was like, how did I not know about this? Yeah, how did we not hear anything about this? Uh, I just, I've been been watching quite a few. And some some documentaries I start, and I'm just like, oh, this is not very good. (laughs) No, you can tell. Others I'm watching, and I'm like, how is this existing in the real world, in the world that I live in, and I've never heard about this? So... Dude, I had no idea. A little three-parter, uh, like you said, on Netflix. And it, it happened in the 80s, right? So that might have been That's a little bit part of it, why. Yeah. But still, I mean, like, stuff happened before we were born that I know of. And it's a West, I didn't know anything about it's a, this. It's a West Coast thing. It all happens in Utah. So um, it's it was a very intriguing story. I guess we'll just give them the Cliff Notes version. Uh, there is all of a sudden, you know, I guess the Mormon faith is built, built off this concept that these gold plates were found out in Utah and they were interpreted to mean X, Y, Z. So it's all kind of the book of Mormon. Yeah. It's all based on, um, these artifacts that are found, these old writings from, I guess the 1800s, right? I think Mm -hmm. it was. Uh, Yeah. About a hundred years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sometime in the 80s, all of a sudden, these artifacts, these writings and papers and books and money and coins and all kind of some, I don't want to say ancient, because again, it's only 100 years ago, but all these artifacts, they're all of a sudden starts to become a little market for those for sale, right? There's private collectors, the church itself, the Church of Latter-day Saints, right? Yep. Um, they are all in on this search for these old documents. And I guess what we'll get at is there were these two bombings and two people were killed in Utah in the 80s. And that kind of sparks this whole investigation. But um, technically, it was three bombings. 
Right, so technically three bombings. There were three bombings. So he 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 tried to blow up a place at a a judge building. Uh, One of his the guys that was kind of like on his trail, he was trying to to put through a bomb there, and then he ended up trying to kill himself by blowing up a bomb, a little pipe bomb in his car. Uh, So it's this guy named Mark Hoffman, and yeah, when he was coming out of college, he found or supposedly found um, it was the Salamander letter was the first one, right? I think it was the salamander letter. Correct. So, so yeah. Well, okay. Well, I was getting lost there for a second. Yeah. We're just we're just run we're running wild today. We're just shoveling. finds this letter. We're just shoveling. Uh, the Mormon the Mormon Church is very very interested in it because of this kind of contents of this letter. The connotations that it could have on its religion and its are big. Uh, foundation. It could rock people's faith within the Mormon community. So the church is very concerned about this. So they have this, he, you know, the church buys it from him, I think for about 40,000 bucks. It's this kind of big ordeal. Some people know what it says. Some people don't. The church is kind of holding on to the information, not being as transparent with it. A few years later, he finds some more stuff. And the church is like, well, hold on. What do you keep finding? And then uh, this whole market kind of becomes, you know, apparent. Where the, the old Mormon, 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 Mormon. They Mer- were mermans. Is it mermaids or mermaids? Mer- Mer- the Mormons, uh, I guess, you know, very, very driven by some of these ancient documents. But then not only that, like this guy started getting into presidential pardons, like Emily Dickinson poems, like you yeah. name it, this dude kind of got involved with it. Right. And then it becomes a Ponzi scheme. Right. And he's kind of buying people off, trying to sell stuff like this whole ordeal. And basically, when he starts to get caught is where these bombings start. And he's like, all right, I got to find a way out. And he's just like, I guess I got to kill people. Right. So there are so many layers to this and that this whole, you know, at first, he just seems like a rock star collector guy, like wheeling and dealing and like he's found the most rare documents and they get um, they get certified. They get like qualified or what's certified, I guess. They get certified Certified. by experts. FBI. Authenticity. Authenticated. There we go. Wow. We are just. We're not good at words. Dude, I've been on an airplane for literally five and a half hours. I'm dead. I I just got done working out. You've been flying. You guys are just going to have to excuse us. I'm just going to leave this all in here. It humanizes us a little bit, right? Like we suck. (laughs) (laughs) We do suck today. We suck today. Oh man. But anyway, to your point, yeah, like the FBI takes it and authenticates it. We're like doing, they're like, we're no, this more of the BS than the talking part. Our talking part Whatever. is struggling. Okay. Usually so, that's the better side that I, I'm good. I know. I Words. Know. But yeah, they authenticate I, yeah. this stuff. They say the paper's right, the ink's right, everything's right. And so basically he's allowed to keep going. Like, and he does. And it's kind of, you know, humorous. People basically, you know, he's talking now to all these different circles and all these different rings to all these different people. And they're just like, hey, man, wouldn't it be nice if I could find this? And uh, a few weeks later, all of a sudden, he has it. That magically. was one of the more, like, eye-opening things. And this is where this is where I really want to get into, like, the human side of this and the psychology of it. So he turns out to be, and they basically said at the end, he was the best forger they've ever, like, ever seen. And the one guy got emotional about it. He's like, I don't want to give him that credit because he's Satan. He literally murdered these two people in cold blood with a bomb that he strapped nails to in order to kill them intentionally. I don't want to give him the validation of knowing this, but no one else has ever done anything forgery-wise that's even close to this. I mean, he was he had this crazy apparatus in his house where he was setting up, you know, basically an ozone layer to age paper to make it look like it was 150 years old. And, and to your point, they said that 
he forged George Washington, Martha Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Emily Dick. He, he penned a poem by Emily Dickinson and passed it off as real. I mean, what? And, and Dude, fooled, he fooled the FBI, he fooled experts and everything. And, and luckily there were a couple people that just kept thinking this is too fishy and they kept digging and, and it was what the crackling of the ink that gave it away. I mean, what? Yeah. Like super, 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 super magnified on the yes. ink. You see it start to crackle a little bit and they were like, well, this is, this, this, this is weird. Why is it doing this? And so, you know, so this advanced is, aging basically. This, this is my big question that I want to ask. A lot of, you heard it a lot of, and throughout, they said, I didn't want to believe it. And so many times, do you not feel like we take things in and we believe them just because we don't want to believe the opposite's true? Like we hear, some, we hear something that agrees with us and it's like, that's it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing. Whether we kind of feel like it's tainted or fake or not, or, or it's just too unreal to, to comprehend. And we're like, but it's easier to believe it. So we're just going to go with it. Well, we've talked about that. that. I mean, like, you know, in the social media stuff, you know, especially we've hit on that in a few different ways. Politically, you know, we've talked about that and everybody kind of getting in their bubble and you just you accept your truth for what's presented to you. One of the things that actually I, th I think it was Mark Hoffman that actually said this when he was being deposed uh, towards the end. I think it was him or it might have been his partner who ended up getting super emotional that you were just talking about. I forgot that guy's name. But uh, he goes, if something seems to be true, is accepted as true then it becomes true. It's basically asking what is truth. So if everyone believes it to be true, just like you said, then that, that's, that, that is the truth. How crazy is that? Do you know what I'm I saying? mean, it's, it's the same thing. Like, you know, when, one of my psychology classes that I took, uh, we got asked the question, you know, what color is the sky? Right. And, uh, you know, blue, right. I mean, everybody, you know, that from, you know, my six year old can tell you that. Yeah. Right. And then you're like, and then the question is like, well, why, why is it blue? And you can go into the scientific reason about the ozone and the way that it, you know, creates a hue and all this kind of crap. Right. But in reality, it's blue because some dude, you know, thousands of years ago said, Hey, this shade of color is now blue. That's why. I mean, you know, when you really break it down, but it's like, so it could have easily, that could be purple, right? I mean, what it is to a different person, right? It, 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 can, it can get a little twisted, I mean, real quick. So this is another thing that I think applies to our common era. It's, because this is almost, this is 40 years ago at this point, almost. Yeah. The fact that he came out with his first forgery and everyone believed it, that gave him a jumping off point to make more forgeries. And so I love how at the end they said this wasn't even supposed to be his final act. Like he had this other book of manuscripts of, again, of the Mormon, Mormon yeah, ancient documents. Yeah, the McClellan papers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had this big thing that he was working on that he would have used his first forgery to authenticate the second one because it would have matched the handwriting, the paper style, the aging, and all that stuff. And I think about these days, we just had a long conversation about Q, how, how many times, if somebody does something once and they get away with it, do they just start building and building and building? You know, it's like that get an inch, take a mile kind of deal. It's human nature. You see this all the time, and it's like, if someone can get away with it one time, they're going to do it again, but they're also going to push that envelope a little bit more. And then by the, by the time they're done, they're like robbing a bank. You know what I'm saying? Like, how, how often do we see that? I mean, I think that's how most major crime gets born, right? I mean... I say that, but then I think the counter argument immediately that pops into my head is when you go into the drug side of things, you know, that yeah. marijuana is the gateway drug. You know, I don't want to say that stealing a pack of Skittles is a gateway 
crime, you know, like, you know, so I, I, I immediately, as I said, that I was like, well, I think there's an argument to be made from both sides, but from a, from a general perspective, I think once you start getting away with something over and over again, you, you, you do create that mindset, even if it's not growing and getting any further that it's a, I'm unstoppable and but I'm never going to get caught doing at least this. Think about, uh, I'm, I'm reminded of, again, the Q stuff and the social media stuff. Think about algorithms and companies and, and, and software that they're testing things out all the time, you know, and it's kind of like with the Q stuff. Okay. The first post, first couple drops this person or people are making, they're going to attract a certain amount of attention. Right. And then once they know they've got their audience, let's up the ante a little bit. And then using past stuff to authenticate future actions and everything, it, it seemed oddly tied into just creating a false narrative. And, he, and the crazy thing was he did it on purpose. The, the salamander letters you're talking about, <laughs> When he went on record and said, like, I thought I was going to use a toad, but I decided to spice it up. I mean, this man, this master forger, almost single-handedly destroyed, brought, a, destroyed religion. A, reli- a religion. <laughs> I mean, for real. I mean, like- he, sh- he shook. We talk about shaking the foundations of football right now. This is a one individual who's good at doing this one thing, which is making new things look like old things. And he almost shook the core of a religion. <laughs> He was making people of a whole religion question their faith based on, was it all a lie? And the truth, the truth was, the new stuff was the lie. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you, like, so the blew, first, like, blew my mind. first episode, like, halfway through the second, before they really explain what that salamander letter was, I was like, okay, so this one was real, and then he just wanted to keep the attention. And right. I don't know enough about the Mormon faith. And I'm just sitting here. I'm like a couple of my buddies, like, you know, I, I'm Whitney and, and Matt and like these guys, like they're, you know, they're Mormon. Like, and I just, I've never thought about it past that other than they're not going to go have a drink with me, <laughs> you know, but yeah. it's been like, is this, this is what people believe. So I can't like in my mind, like one that obviously it's not true. So it's not being believed. It never was believed. It, it wasn't believed before this document came out because it's a complete fabrication. But the fact that the church and like these people stood through that and were like, it's here. We can't say it's not true, but we're not believing this. Right. It's like, that is wild to me. And then then they were right. Right. You know, so that's even better. So, but like, wow, the strength and fortitude that that takes through the first episode and a half, you're sitting there thinking, Oh wow. The church is trying to buy this stuff off to cover up a lie. Like you're, you're, you think the conspiracy is actually on the church's side for like the first episode. You're like, Oh man, I even thought like the church hired hitmen to go kill these people. I, that's kind of where I thought we were going with the narrative. And then you find out that it was quite the opposite. Um, talk about destabilizing a system, right? I mean, Dude, why? that if, and, and we're not doing it justice, obviously, but if no. you have, you have, you know, they're what, 45, 50 minute episodes, yeah, like three, three I think it's three, I, three, it's a, it's dude, a mini series. It'll suck. Yeah. It's a, it's it'll a, suck yet. it's a world that again happened in our world that I had no idea about none. And it kind of seems like a big deal. Yeah. I mean, an entire religion and I don't know how big it is, but I do know that they did say during that time, it was probably the richest uh, you know, faction of Christianity from a church perspective. Like that's, that's, that's more money than Catholicism. All right. <laughs> they were talking like, that's about yeah, a lot of money. They were talking about selling that last artifact or the last papers, for like a million dollars, right? It's one the oath of dollars. a free man, 
was 1.5 million. Oof. He was gonna, so he was gonna sell the McClellan papers that he had when the bomb went off in his car. But then he was gonna use that apparently in the Mormon faith and in the Mormon, uh, the Book of Mormon, which is their Bible. Uh, there were there are 116 missing pages, and so he was going to use the original Salamander letter, the McClellan papers, which contained a bunch of diaries and a bunch of other things from from people around that time that were related to Joseph Smith, his wife being a big one, yeah. who apparently there was some big revelation in there that Joseph Smith didn't find him. His brother actually did, and then yeah. Joseph took credit for like so like he was trying to like really throw some cracks in the foundation yep. and then was going to write the missing 116 pages of the book of Mormon and literally write a religion, literally write the book however yes. he wanted it to be see fit. Uh, I don't want to bring up, I don't want to turn our own statement against us, but talk about a ripple becoming a wave there. Just taking little things and just, he's just poking holes at little things in the religion and then just chipping away at the foundation. I mean, it was, it was pretty, pretty, it was crazy to see one person be able to do that. I mean, he tricked his, fooled his wife, fooled his friends. Nobody, nobody believed it was him at all. It, it felt very much serial, serial killer-esque as well, where it was like, oh, I had no idea that guy killed 50 people, you know, next door. Yeah, he's, he seemed like a very normal guy. Like, there was nothing eccentric about him. No. The only thing that I would say that, like, really threw me off was the one story, you know, we, we, I kind of made that joke about, you know, Matt and Whitney not having a drink with me, but Mormons do not typically drink. Yes. This guy, you know, did, I guess at one point say he was an atheist and, and didn't really care about religion, uh, but was still a, a Mormon by technicality, uh, went out with his partner and they were trying to sell something in New York and it was like, I can't get drunk. It's physically impossible. It's physically impossible for me to get drunk. <laughs> then he had what, like how many drinks did he have? He said like 17 doubles. Now... I'm sure that's a big fish story, but even if it was 10 doubles, I mean, that's, yeah. That's um, a lot. If you have three hours, uh, murder among the Mormons, it's, uh, it was riveting for three hours and, uh, pretty shocking what one person can do when they're determined to, uh, to do something and they're like Dude, extremely talented in that thing. You know? Well, it, it reminds me a lot now, like, yeah, getting away from this specific uh, thing, but one of the things that I saw, especially going around around the election time, the deep fake videos that are now kind of being made, and like you can literally like make anybody say anything and yes. all, all this kind of stuff, facial like, conversion and stuff. Ooh, so I, ooh. I, I put a little note in our outline about that because you think about like think about sites like The Onion. You know what I'm saying? You make like a high, you make like a, a headline that looks very legit, and you word it just like a, a normal article would look and then all of a sudden <laughs> there were a couple times where some prominent people quoted the onion or retweeted the onion and it was a fake story <laughs> and they were they got caught they got caught using a fake story to back up their point and it was like you missed you missed the sarcasm there but it's it's scary and yes the fake faces thing that's that's pretty pretty wild it's very marvel very marvel like winter soldier stuff going on there Dude, you know? it is. It makes the uh, the age of disinformation. I think that's what we are yes. technically in at this point. We are in the age of disinformation, and it is so hard to know what's true, what's real, who's really looking out for you, and who's not. Because this can turn on you in a heartbeat. You know. You know what I think is true. We struggled with words today, but you know what? I'm gonna give ourselves a pass. You know what I'm saying? It can't be perfect every time. So, um, I think we're pretty much ready to close out. We got a lot of cool things in the works. You know what I'm saying? Like I, we're not going to unveil everything right now, but I feel like we're, uh, we got our feet underneath us. It's going to be episode 23. I, after I just tore us down, I'm going to build us back up. 
<laughs> I feel like we're we're kind of getting there. So uh, I guess look for some changes from us coming in the, in the coming months. And uh, I really appreciate everybody giving us questions. That has been so much fun. I've had a lot of fun interacting with people and doing um, getting some fan questions in and everything. And looking forward to having some more guests on in the future. And uh, forgive us for not being able to talk today. But... Corey, this is a uh, chime time cue you to uh, close us out with some, you know, metaphorical quote or something. Everything Van just said is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's the age of disinformation. What the age of disinformation. <laughs> well, y'all don't know uh, this is our last episode and we'll, you'll never hear from us ever again. <laughs> we're actually no longer friends. What's up? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, listen, honestly, dude, I'm, I'm so beat. I have nothing to like make this all summed up nice and pretty and sound good. Uh, I'll just kind of piggyback on what you just said. And, uh, you know, we are, we are putting together a few, few things. Um, and, uh, we are very, very excited about it. So, you know, uh, tune in and, uh, and keep listening. I mean, we've, we've grown exponentially just over the last couple of weeks. I mean, exponentially, uh, and it's all thanks to you guys. So thank you very much. And I look forward to, to continuing this journey with you. As a reminder, you can interact with us on Twitter at talking underscore B underscore S. And you can, of course, find us on all major podcasting platforms, including Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify Podcasts. This has been another episode of Talkin' BS.